Welcome back to another episode of the Break the Bank podcast. This is your boy Lurk, joined by Dion and X as always. Today we're going to talk about NBA Media Day. You know, pretty much every team had their media sessions already. 90% of the league is vaccinated, but there's a few polarizing situations going on right now with the unvaccinated players. Zion got off-season foot surgery, supposedly. Clay might be coming back. Dion's boy Clay might be coming back sooner than people expected. And the Clippers are talking like Kawhi is going to play this season. I ain't expecting to play, so I'm interested to hear what you guys got to say about that. And then we definitely got to do some review of the picks that we made from the NFL Week 3 and then talk about Week 4. What are we talking about first, Zion? Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, I want to talk about the dude that's built like X. Um, (laughs) He showed us... <laughs> that's a that's a compliment, Zion. If you're listening, you yeah, know. that is that is a compliment for X. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zion showed up, and everybody made fun of how much he weighed. And like my first thought process was like something feels off here. Or he was at was it like a, a football yeah. game? Yeah, he was at like a he was at like a baseball game, and like you could see like his gait. He had like yeah. a little bit of a limp and he looked like heavy. So, yeah. you know, Twitter, everybody was body shaming him and shit, but it definitely looked like he was in the best shape now with them saying that he broke his foot. It makes sense because obviously he hasn't been able to get no conditioning working. But I mean, big picture, man, like that terrifies me. You know what I'm now, saying? I ain't going to hold you, bro. You you using the foot as a reason for why he ain't getting conditioning in. Nah, yeah, that is a reason. Nah, but but he wasn't he wasn't in shape before. No, that's true. But I mean, he, obviously he was bigger. in better shape. He's obviously was in way better shape than he's yeah. in right now. Like, did you see how he looked like he was about to explode out of his jersey? Yeah, it was crazy. But the foot does explain a little more of why he was wobbling like that at that video in that video that went viral. But he wasn't in shape to begin with. He wasn't in shape last year. He wasn't in shape his rookie year. I'm not sure he'll ever um, get in shape, especially living in New Orleans. They kept making jokes all over the media, ESPN, especially about how going to New Orleans, it was going to be tough for him to get in shape with all those desires. And it's starting to look like that's a real thing. Look, man, this is a body friendly podcast, um, but he was going to eat no matter what city he played in. Yeah, he's a country country boy. DoorDash exists everywhere. Uh, (laughs) No, and look, honestly, the most important shit about Zion, like the people, like the sports doctors who saw him run early in his career, it's like, yo, he runs funny. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that's the same shit happened with Steph. You remember Steph had on him ankle injuries, and it was because he wasn't walking and running properly. They literally had to teach Steph how to walk and how to run. And land. Somebody has to show Zion like how to run because he puts so much pressure on his joints. The reason why he's so explosive is he's putting so much torque on his on his lower half that it's like, bro, he's going to break down. You know what I'm saying? And And the weight doesn't help. Uh, To me, this foot injury on top of his weight and knowing the Pelicans and the pressure that is on these Pelicans, he is not going to have a very like slow amp up to playing in that like a game again. When Zion's ready to go, he's going to practice and he's going to play. And it's going to be 100%. Maybe his minutes restriction is like 25 or 30 just for the Pelicans to show face. But we're talking about a dude that's probably north of 300. Decently. And they, and decently they north said, of 300. And they already said that they expect him to be ready for the start of the regular season. Exactly. Like, they, there's a ton of pressure on the Pelicans this season. A lot of it is Zion bringing it on the franchise. So, like, he, it, you know, it's a bad excuse for him. But uh, do y'all buy that, though? Let's keep it a buck. Yeah, speak, I, yeah speaking of that. I don't buy it. Let's I think not that's talk one about- of them shits that's going to drag into the regular season. Because I think, look, A, nobody knew about it, right? So, obviously, they were careful about leaking that to the press. The injury and, this is? Yeah. yeah. And, then, yeah. and then, secondly, now you're like, oh, but it's not a big deal. He's going to be ready by the start of the regular season. I don't buy it. I got to see it to believe it. Because, look, we all saw pictures of him. He looks big. You know what I'm saying? I and I don't think that's a smart thing is to rush him back to the start of the regular season. But but when, when have you known the Pelicans to be smart in the past? But outside of drafting Zion, which was the obvious choice, so you can't even give him credit for that. And you can't give him credit for drafting Anthony Davis, which is the, also the obvious choice. So I'm not even going to say outside of anything. When have you known the Pelicans to be smart? Even if they play this super smart, and to answer your question, never. But um, 
even if they play this super smart, like what I was getting ready to get at is a dude north of 300 pounds on, off a foot injury. That is a lot of weight landing on your foot over and over and over and over again. And he jumps out the gym. That's not going to be, this isn't going to be the last foot injury he has. This is yeah. the same thing that happened with Yao Ming. Remember and, Yao Ming? Like he had all them foot injuries and then eventually he had to call it. And this is the funny thing. This happened in the off season. According to David Griffin, this happened in the off season prior to summer league. So this isn't even something that happened during the season. And then he had that, he had that crazy ankle sprain in Duke. He tore his meniscus before the start of his rookie season. And correct me if I'm wrong, but they say what? Whatever you weigh is eight times the amount of pressure that you put in on top of your knees. So he, just, he injured his knee at Duke also. It's like it's like a pitcher that throws 102 miles per hour. Eventually, you're going to need Tommy John, right? You can only put so much torque on your joints for so long. So to me, I would be worried about his long-term outlook. And see, that's the pressure that the Pelicans have, right? Because a lot of us say, well, why would they try and go all in so early in Zion's career? When the truth is, they probably know that his body's a ticking time bomb, and he's not one of those players that's going to be better five years from now than he is today. Because, yeah, skill-wise, he might be better, but he's in his, his athletic prime right now, and that's probably the best window for his peak. So I would understand why they would feel the pressure to go all in now because can, can if he takes a half step back athletically, is he the same player? I don't think he is. No, you know? he's not. Not at all. But moving on from the injury, before we move on from Zion, Dion brought up a good point about the pressure that's being put on the franchise with Zion, with the reports coming out of Zion being unhappy in New Orleans and all that. Well, during media day, he tried to dispel all that, talking about how he's happy there, him and Griff are good, their family, he loves it in New Orleans, all his teammates know that those that they're his bros. And personally, he didn't sound convincing to me. I wasn't buying none of that. I truly believe he's he's unhappy there. And supposedly all this information is coming from his family and his camp. Why would they be putting that information out there if he doesn't really feel that way? It's either that or the com- the reporter's just completely making everything up just to get clicks. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I don't think he has any leverage anyway. You know what I'm saying? And I think what we just spoke about, the injury, that's precisely the reason why he won't be the, you know, the big star to sign the qualifying offer and head into and turn down the huge extension and go into free agency. Because, look, you never know what's going to happen with his body. So I think right now it's another situation where they're trying to generate leverage where really he's going to sign that extension. And at that point, I mean, the Pelicans can play hardball. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's a lot of fluff, but I don't really think Zion was going anywhere till probably two, three years into his next extension. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say because everything X just said is absolutely correct, but a year from now, the landscape of the NBA and how much control a player on his rookie deal that could sign the qualifying offer or sign a Supermax rookie extension has could be way different. Um, I don't like where the NBA is going to where you're a 21 year old kid. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I'm not a, on a contender. I need to leave. Um, I'll say that, but yeah, I mean, he's probably not happy down there, but it, it doesn't really matter. Whereas it, there's no, it just doesn't really matter. Yeah. I, I agree with you in the last part. I just don't understand how you only been in the league for two years, unless it's like mad toxic in there. I don't understand how you could be, so unhappy that people are talking about how you're ready to get out of there and you've only been in the league for two years. I mean, he's on his third coach um, in three years. So I, I'll give him that. It's a lot of roster turnover down there. I can give him that. It's definitely not an ideal situation for a kid, but that being said, doesn't really fucking matter. Yeah, let's move on. So another guy, Coming off an injury, Clay Thompson hasn't played in, what, two years? Ruptured his Achilles, tore his ACL, not in that order. But Bob Myers talking about he he should be back by around January. Dion, you know more about the situation. Can you give us some insight on what's going on with Clay and when we should expect him to be back? Yeah, so, I mean, um, he's gonna, his, his first game back is going to be a home game. He's not going to come back on the road. If you look at the Warriors' schedule, there's a couple – dates that make sense because it's not going to be a one and done 
um, where it's just like one home game and then here's a six game road trip. So I believe it's December 3rd. They have a three or four game home stand and then they're home uh, for Christmas and New Year's. December 24th is the date I think makes sense. Um, Cause that gives him like three or four games and then a quick road trip and then another home stand. Uh, but the other home stand starts, I believe, this January 6th or the 10th. I should have looked it up. I'm, I apologize. But um, those make sense. It's going to be a home stand. There's no way they let Clay play in front of another crowd before he plays in front of Warriors fans. So we'll see. He's going to be on a minutes restriction. I would venture to guess probably about 25 minutes, maybe 20 when he, when he comes back immediately. Some of that's going to come down to Moody and Jordan Poole. Uh, and the way they're playing but like i mean the one thing i remember man is um after the playing game against the grizzlies clay was crying on the court and like steph went up to him and they like shared a moment on the court for like a few minutes or whatever this team is different when clay's on the court and when clay's around the team and even if all he can do is stand on the court shoot a couple three-pointers and just run up and down the court i think he's a massive difference maker for them so I, I, i'm looking forward to it man that's gonna be a fun game actually you have any thoughts on the situation i mean here's the thing i'm one of those people that really likes the under for the warriors i i think they're gonna be closer to the team that they were most of last season i don't think clay alone makes them a championship contender so if i were them i mean I, if I were them, I would hope I, we, the team was above 500 and they could delay. Because remember, KD took 18 months to rehab from his Achilles here. Clay tore his Achilles in November, draft date, you know what I'm saying? So it hasn't even been a full 12 months yet. So to even think that he's going to come back the way KD did, man, KD had another six months. Then Clay's going to have to. Right? Even in that scenario, he'd be coming back what, 12, 13 months from the date it'd of the be, injury? It'd be 13 to 14, yeah. Yeah, I mean, at that point, to me, that's still too soon. And I think we've even seen that. Achilles are usually a two-year um, a two-year injury. Um, you know, so I don't, I just don't know what, what Clay we're getting back. And I don't think it's smart to really rush him back, especially with, how, with the amount of years left on that contract and the amount of money. I don't think they're a contender. So if I were them, I would try and delay it. So I'm curious to see, you know, how much, how closely they stick to that December timeline. Well, I, I know Clay said he expects to be back to the same player he was before the injuries. He don't expect to be that player right away, but he expects to be that player this season. I don't know if he's ever going to be the same defender he once was. He doesn't need to be. And this well, is I mean, gonna, now you got Kuminga and not Moody even th this is a hell line. of a transition into something I know we're going to speak on. If Andrew Wiggins gets vaccinated, Clay Thompson does not need to be the defender that he once was. Thank you for that. Speaking <laughs> of Andrew Wiggins, he talking about he going to stick to his beliefs. He don't care. He not going to let nobody force him into nothing. He's not the only person that's hesitant to get the vaccination. Kyrie Irving wasn't able to participate in media day because he's not vaccinated. He said respect his privacy. He don't want to answer no questions about home games or vaccinations and none of that. And that the information to come out at a new date. I didn't know. I didn't even know there was an original date information was supposed to be coming out. And then you got Bradley Bill talking about he's not saying he is, he's not saying he won't, but he ain't vaccinated and he's skeptical. Now, Bradley Bill's a little different because he's still in that 60-day window. They told him that he shouldn't get vaccinated yet because he, it's, only, it's been less than 60 days since he tested positive for the COVID-19 virus, but... And that was a cop-out. That was something somebody slid him at the last second to do some damage control because he came off like such an idiot, um, you know, during the, the press conference. But go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Nah, go ahead. I mean, this is where I was going with that. So let me know how you feel about Bradley Bill's situation. Let me know how you feel about the whole situation in general, X. I know you. You we spoke earlier in the week about these things and you were very passionate about it. So I definitely want to hear your thoughts. But I also... 
um want to let Dion say his piece after everything about how what he thinks about the Wigan situation if he's going to get vaccinated and what that means for the Warriors as a whole and if they're going to prove you wrong on that over under or not. Go ahead, Dion. I'll let you go first. You know what I'm saying? And then I'll rock out. Word. Um, I do think he's going to get vaccinated. He. It's funny he said he wouldn't be forced into anything. I don't know if that was his direct quote or not. I got to be honest. I didn't listen to a lot of the media day stuff. I thought it was kind of a clown show from all teams' perspectives. But um, I believe in March, um, when the NBA was rolling out the vaccinations, it may have been April – month doesn't really matter Wiggins said if he was forced to he would get the vaccine but he will not get it until he's forced to and the reason these guys keep saying at a later date is these mandates aren't in place yet so like for example if the Warriors played a home game tomorrow Wiggins could play the mandate doesn't go in place until October 13th for the city of San Francisco and I believe New York is something similar where the mandate the mandate had been in effect in New York that's why it wasn't there well, he practiced today. So once the mandate goes into effect, specifically mm. in Wiggins' case, he can't practice with the Warriors in Chase Center, which is something no one's really talking about. At least I read that yesterday. Um, again. Yeah, they say he can't practice with the team and he can't play in any home games. Right. Um, Kyrie practiced today. I, I don't believe any of the mandates are going into place until sometime mid-October. I know for a fact the Warriors one is October 13th. I couldn't tell you on the deaths. But um, I do believe both of them will be vaccinated before the opener. Whether they get to play or not, uh, who knows? Like, some of that's going to come down to how closely they do it. But when they say that... Nah, they say all they need is the first dose. Okay, well, when they say we'll know more at a later date, it's because if it's not going to go into effect until October 13th, these dudes are clowns. They're against it. They don't want to do it. So they're not going to do it until the last moment before they have to. Like, October 12th at 1158, Wiggins will show up to the doctor's office to get uh, the vaccination. And when he does that, he'll be able to play. But if he does it, it definitely puts us at at a very, very bad place. And specifically for what we just spoke about, he is the guy that saves us on the clay front. He's the guy that allows Clay Thompson to slowly build himself to come back. He's the guy that makes 49 wins in that overhitting possible. So if we lose him for 41 of the games, if we lose him for every single practice, because the Warriors don't practice on the road, unless the Warriors are on a losing streak, Steve Kerr does not do road game practices. So, I mean, that being said, we these vaccine mandates are going nowhere from local government and they're only going to get worse. I, I can't believe rogue game players can play unvaccinated. I feel like that's going to change in the next couple of months. I think that's. I definitely wanted to talk about that, but let, let's, let's let X say what he got to say, because that doesn't make any sense to me at all. But X, go ahead. Well, as far as Wiggins look, I think all of this, he's going to get the vaccine, right? He's just going to do it at the last minute. And look, we know the NBA is 90% vaccinated. That doesn't mean that 90% of the players are okay taking the vaccine, but either A, they're doing it because they don't want to, you know, they they don't want their team to be at a competitive disadvantage, or B, they just don't want to deal with the, you know, with all the shit that comes with outing yourself as an anti-vaxxer. But all in all, look, and I want to be careful because I know some of the people listening, right? It's like when Bill Simmons got suspended from ESPN. It wasn't that he said Roger Goodell was lying is that he called Roger Goodell a liar. So I'll be careful not to name call. But I think these guys may not be idiots, but they are saying very idiotic things, right? And so you look at Jonathan Isaac, somebody like Will Kane was, you know, retweeting Jonathan Isaac. And if you listen to what he said, pretty much he said, I'm young, I'm in shape. If I catch it, I'm not going to die. So I really don't feel like I need to take the vaccine. In other words, he's being selfish and he's okay with the risk of getting somebody else sick because as long as he's not going to die from the from the virus, he's okay with it. You look at somebody like Bradley Beal spewing misinformation, talking about, well, people with the vaccine still get COVID. Like, bro, that was explained like when the vaccine was first introduced. It does not keep you from contracting the virus. It reduces symptoms and it reduces the chance that you spread the virus. 
And just everybody else, just the shit that's coming out of their mouth is just idiotic. And maybe I take it a little bit more personal than other people because like I've lost a coworker. You know what I'm saying? Like I lost somebody out there business with my family. Look, my family's all in New York. My moms, my pops, my set pops, my uncle, my grandmother, they all caught it. It fucked my family up. So this is something that's very real. You feel what I'm saying? Like to me, it's very real. And to see people with a platform and with a microphone just spew this misinformation that's just so easily debunked is frustrating for me. Because it's like, bro, all you had to do was spend a couple seconds on Google. You want to talk about research? All right, go on Google for a few seconds. I'll actually speak to a medical expert. Well, never you push back on any of these athletes. Well, you know, have you spoken to a doctor or a medical profession? Well, no, I'm just taking my time. Bro, we're two years in. You know what I'm saying? So that's just the frustrating part for me. I don't want to go on too long of a rant, but I just get frustrated because, look, we got frustrated when they told basketball players to, sh to shut up and dribble, right? So I'm not going to say that these players should be silenced. What I'm asking is that these players understand how big of a platform they have, how much of an impact they have on the youth that looks up to them, and how people who might be on the fence could look at somebody that, like, that they look up to or idolize as a as a hero of theirs, and maybe their opinion is what sways them. And if one person decides not to get vaccinated because of something they heard during NBA media day, that could potentially be life or death. So I don't think it should be treated so callously by people saying like, yo, just cut the players a break. You know what I mean? But that's my spiel. That's just how I feel about, you know, the whole situation. Yeah, I agree too. Um, you spoke about how you were affected by all of it, X. And obviously a lot of these players probably were not affected in the manner you were. A lot of people probably weren't, right? Um, in terms of dealing with the death you've dealt with. But from a job perspective, <clears throat> these are guys that in some of their primes lost six months of their job. And then they had to go to a bubble for two to three months if they were lucky. A lot of people lost a whole season. They came back, they're separated from their families for a year because of how stringent the NBA's like COVID guidelines were. A lot of them didn't get to see family during the season last year. Their lives have been turned around, uprooted, you name it, because of this virus. For them not to take it serious is fucking crazy to me. They've dealt with it. Our, everybody's life has been affected by this. Everybody's lives been changed and everybody's dealt with certain things from it. But these dudes have dealt with some shit. Imagine if you were in that bubble for three months and then you didn't get the vaccine. Or imagine if you're Steph Curry where last season, every time you went on the road, you had a brand newborn baby at home you had to worry about. I believe John Morant, same thing. Uh, Dame Lillard, same thing. Like They've dealt with some shit. For them not to understand the severity of this and how much better their lives could be if they just got the vaccine is very, very disappointing to me um like i hey, said bro d'angelo russell and i'm i don't mean to cut you off no d'angelo russell's on the timberwolves because he's friends with carl anthony towns i think carl anthony towns suffered the biggest loss publicly losing his mother almost losing his father to the virus d'angelo russell's supposed to be a personal friend of his but yet russell's on twitter saying that Kyrie is is goaded yeah. for his anti-vax stances like bro but you you're Friend, your real life friend, not your teammate, your friend lost his mother to this virus. But you're going to go and echo the sentiments of somebody who who's pretty much saying like, yo, I don't really care about Carolyn Denny Town's situation. That shit don't matter to me. Like to me, the hypocrisy just in that, I, I don't understand it. You know what I mean? Devin Booker, too. Uh, the three of them are supposed to be like best friends. Devin Booker said he'll, he doesn't need the vaccine or, you know, I believe he said something similar to what Bradley Beal said. It's no, crazy. No, no, it really Devin, is. I didn't see that. What I saw from Devin Booker was that he said he doesn't feel like he needs to share that information. Nah, whether, I, he said he said whether you vaccinated or not, you could still get it. So yeah. I don't know why people. And then he was like, I don't know why people are saying that something like that because he caught COVID recently. So people are trying to say that he's not vaccinated because he tested positive. He said he's not going to share that information. And then people and pretty much people need to stop saying he's not vaccinated just because he caught it. Either way, um, that quote's crazy, given who your best friend is. Bro, if my best friend lost his mother, I would be looking for every microphone, for every camera, preaching for everybody to get the vaccine because I wouldn't want what happened to my best friend to happen to anybody else. Mm -hmm. so, even, so even if for selfish reasons you think, all right, I'm good. Because, look, I'm going to keep it a buck. 
I got, I'm fully vaccinated and I wasn't necessarily scared for myself, but I was worried about if, if my kids get it, can they give it to their grandparents? You feel what I'm saying? Can they give it to their teachers and shit like that? So I was thinking about me passing it on to somebody else, the effect that that could have on them more so than the effect it could have on me. Like I'm not a spring chicken, but I'm also not old and, and I don't have any pre-existing conditions. So chances are I'm going to be fine, but I didn't want to put anybody else at risk. And I just think the selfishness that these NBA players have is indicative of the population as a whole. So I guess maybe part of the reason why I'm so frustrated with the plays is because I see that same level of selfishness from my neighbors, from people around me who are just as careless about the virus. So that's probably why, you know, that it angers me so much, but. I respect it, but let's move on from the vaccination talk. The Clippers been talking like Kawhi Leonard is going to be playing this year. Ty Lu said he hopes he'll be back by opening day, but he knows that that's not possible. He's not going to be ready then. They're not going to put any pressure on him. Kawhi said he's been working with the staff day to day. When the available date comes, they're going to make it public. Personally, I don't see him coming back this year. We saw what happened with the Spurs situation, and the injury was nowhere close to as severe as this one was. He just inked a four-year deal with them this offseason. There's no reason for him to rush back other than being competitive and wanting to help the Clippers try to win the championship, which I just don't see it in him. I don't see it happening. Y'all think he's playing this year? I'll disagree with you on that. I think, look, Kawhi's one of the few players where if he comes back just for the playoffs, he instantly makes his team a contender because he's that good. You know what I'm saying? But he'll have to be back before the playoffs, though, in order to be on the team for the playoffs. Sure. But the thing is, look, ACLs aren't what they used to be. You know what I'm saying? They're not the death sentence they used to be. People recover from them um, quicker than they ever have. It's also, not to cut you off, X, it's partially torn ACL. Like, remember that when when we're talking about it. Yeah, I feel you. But this is also a guy that has dealt with leg injuries in the past. No, it's a squad. And he always... He had the, he sprained his knee multiple times in San Antonio. He had the quad injury, which was actually a nerve injury in his leg that never goes away. And he had the ankle injury. My my thing is this: when they signed Paul George, when they signed Kawhi, the Clippers were looking at a two to three year championship window. Because remember, they had only signed on for two years, which is why he signed that extension. So I think he's not getting any younger. He's in, he's in a similar situation to LeBron, maybe not as advanced to where, look, his championship window as a top five player is probably two years, maybe three. So if there's, if there's a 5% chance he can make it back for the rec, you know, soon enough to play for the playoffs, then I think that is something that's, you know, is worth doing for them. Because, you know, they didn't capitalize the year before last, you know, the year the bubble. Um, they got upset in the playoffs. And so the, last year was supposed to be their year. And, you know, he got injured. So I think they're going to look to capitalize. You had them as title favorites last year? I Honestly, I, they probably won the title if he's healthy last yeah. year. You know what I'm saying? Um, he robbed them of a title. So his injury robbed I them mean, of a title. Now, now, my question is, Are you say, were you saying that prior to the injury or are you saying that in hindsight and how the no. playoffs played out and how the, the Clippers almost made it to the conference finals without him. Once the Lakers went down, they became the favorites. Oh, no, but yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So is it high, is it in hindsight or how the playoffs but played it, out? It, it was always or, those two teams and one of them lost in the first round. And then so they were the they were they were the team for, at that I had the I had the Clippers feel- like a 60-40 favorite over the Lakers if they were to play okay. head to head. You know I like saying? the Clippers in that matchup too. I'm just saying, yeah. like it was always those two teams. One of them got knocked out. They're no, the only team. I agree. Them. I agree that they were the those. It was always those two teams when fully healthy. But I always felt like it was Lakers one, Clippers two, not one A one B. I think the Lakers are the better team. That's a hell of a matchup for the Clippers, though. The way the Clippers match yeah. up with them is perfect, and I really, really like that matchup for the Clippers. The Lakers may have the better team, so I get where you're coming from, but, like, in a seven-game series, I don't think the Lakers can See, I didn't, I didn't even think they had the better team, truthfully, because they might have had the best two players with AD and Braun, but when you look at players three through ten, yeah. the Clippers were deeper, the Clippers were no, better. No, yeah, you're right. It made more sense. So And, and whoever, look, whoever has Montrez Harrell is down a man in the playoffs anyway. 
Uh, also, it it like I I looked it up um because I knew it I knew it was this, but I just wanted to double check. As someone that has horrible knees, you kind of know like the recovery time for this shit. Partially torn ACLs three to six months. I'm guessing he got the surgery in June. I mean, I forget when he got the surgery. I it would have to be June and July. It, it was June and July. It was during the finals. So oh July then, because it was during the finals. So I mean. That would put him on pace to come back around. We'll go worst case scenario because it is Kawhi. Um, August, September, January. So let's let's go even farther. Let's go worst. He had, worst. He had the surgery yeah. July fourteenth. Let's go worst worst case scenario and let's do the All Star break. He yeah. comes back right after the All Star break. That's February March. You know what I mean? Like I I don't think it's crazy to say he's going to play this year. I, I I think how quickly he comes back is going to come down to more what Paul George does through the first 10 to 15 games. If they come out hot, that date's going to get pushed back. I they feel come out you. slow, they, it's going to get pushed up. Yeah, but, bro, this is the thing, though. They claim it was a partially torn ACL, right? But did you see the scar on his knee? It's, so very, sim- it's very similar to the Clay Thompson scar after his knee surgery. I mean, what we're not going to do is, like, like when, when you series see, based I'm off just saying, I'm just saying, <laughs> but, though. Like not, but the scar but in that on sa- his in that same picture, huge. in that same picture, show me where his knee with the scar looked any more swollen than the other one. I mean, look partially torn, torn. They're yeah, gonna make the same incision. Like, if it's so swollen, I don't think we need to judge the scar. It, it doesn't. It doesn't look swollen. Nah, that's not true. That's not true because if it's a partial tear, then they're really just gonna do an arthroscopy surgery, and all you're gonna have is tiny ass little incisions. That if someone takes a picture of you sitting on the sideline. No one is going to see that scar. That scar goes down the middle of his knee. Maybe he cleaned it up a little bit, too. We don't know. Look, we don't know. At this point, (laughs) all I'm saying is, even if we go worst case scenario, if he comes back and look, they're not a team that they need to push for home court advantage. They as long as they're a, a seventh, sixth seed. They'll be fine. They just need to get into the dance. They really just need to give them 30 to 45 days just to get in game shape. But other than that. That's that's it. So they can postpone it as much as possible to the very last second and then just get him in for the playoffs, man, and take yeah. your chances there. So if I were betting, man, I'd say I, I, I wouldn't put money on him coming back. But if he can come back, he will come back. Also, I'm gonna show you all. I'll say this. The video of him at the Clippers, like ribbon cutting or whatever bullshit that was, came out four to five days before the video of Zion. For two guys that had surgery damn near at identical times, one of them looked a lot healthier than the other. And the one that didn't look nearly as healthy is supposedly playing on opening night. So, I mean, you tell me. I mean, I think if Zion didn't have surgery, then Kawhi would have still looked a lot healthier than him. Well, but, I'm just saying. No, nah, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. One of them I had a visible limp two months later. The other one looked pretty good. So, so you like the chances of Kawhi coming back this year? Oh, yeah. No, he's playing this year. I hope you are right. It'll make for the NBA to be more competitive. Now, let, okay. let's move on to the NFL. Last week wasn't too competitive with our picks. You know, X, the Packers so, so, saved you. The Packers saved you, man. Don't don't say the Packers saved me because I doubled down on the Packers <laughs> because I was that confident in them. You know what I'm saying? And, Yo, I and, and, if, it wasn't, games, and if it wasn't for... Jimmy Garoppolo, you would have lost. And look, Dion will probably agree with me. If he doesn't, he's a fucking homer and a hater. But that team is being <laughs> that team is being helped. Yeah, that's not Everybody the cow. That. That's not the Kyle Shanahan offense that he made his name off of. They're trying to win despite him instead of because of him. And so I think it's only a matter of time until as as soon as Shanahan thinks that Lance is ready, he's gonna sub Lance in. Yes, too. I uh, think at this point, after watching that game on Sunday, I'm sorry, Dion, but after watching that game on Sunday, you have no choice but to start preparing Lance to be the starter. Maybe, look, maybe, maybe not. Like, I, I it, this is a, a 100% I agree with everything you guys just said. I hate Jimmy G. I think it, I would rather lose with Lance than win with Jimmy G, uh, to be honest with you. Like, I've always felt that way. Even the Super Bowl? Give me 0-17 with Lance versus 20-0 with Jimmy G. Like, I, I do not like this dude. I want nothing to do with him anymore. But um, that being said, like, I feel like Sunday was like a doomsday scenario for the Niners. Like, they couldn't have played a worse game. Jimmy G couldn't have been worse. 
The defense wasn't very good in the beginning. There was no run game. They lost by two points on a 51-yard. Packers defense is missing to Darius Smith, and they can't really rush the passer. So I think Jimmy G had a cleaner pocket than he probably should have in a typical game. And so whatever thing he did that was positive, which is because that Packers defense is ass. You know what I'm saying? But, but I mean, yeah, no, I agree. I'm just saying, like, if if the tie is falling for a team that lost by two points with a 51-yard field goal, that team's probably pretty fucking good. And it's, the sky's falling because the expectations are extremely high. Well, we knew that, but but what did we say entering the season? The Niners roster is Super Bowl caliber. They if they can get above average play from their quarterback, that should be just enough. So I'm not gonna put I'm not gonna give Jimmy G credit for a team hanging in against a very flawed Packers team when that's exactly what we expected. And you know, what I'm honestly, saying? I don't think we hung in um, as much as Aaron Rodgers let us stay in. True, uh, they had. A drive end on the one yard line, I believe. They had another one end in a field goal from about 20 yards. This was all when we had no points. They started 17 nothing. The game easily could have been 28 nothing. Um, and they could put us away. If you give Kyle Shanahan chance after chance after chance after chance, he's going to hit. It's Kyle Shanahan. Like it's going to happen eventually. Um, this game to me, and I know everyone's like, the Niners were the home team 2 0. Yada, yada, came out flat. Didn't look good. So I know, like, the attention's on us. To me, this said more about the Packers than it did the Niners. The Packers fucking stink, man. They do. That, that team's really bad. That yeah. team is really bad. They do. Honestly, in, like, week three, I learned a lot about some teams where I was kind of on the fence, and just week three just cemented certain things for me in my mind. Like, look, Jalen Hurts, he's not that guy. You know what I'm saying? And I think before then, I thought maybe there was a chance he could be. But you can see he has to have a run game in order to be effective, which means he either has to be ahead or the game has to be tight for him to be able to lean on that run game. Because if he's down two scores, forget about it. That offense is a built to pass. And I thought that there was a chance that it was, but I was wrong. Um, yeah, but I'm curious what else you guys definitely learned about last week moving forward. Um, I. I learned the Packers stink. Um, I kind of, I don't know if I said it on here, but um, the Rams are a very bad matchup for the Bucs. I've always thought that interior pressure gets to Tom Brady and he, Aaron Donald being on the other side of Tom Brady is an issue for him. Um, can, can, can the apology be as loud as the disrespect because I've been calling it. Yeah, I, oh, I've been no. saying they were my I, NFC I, favorite for the Super Bowl for but, the preseason. And y'all laughed me out the fucking room. I, I, I stand, remember. I stand by it. They're not beating the Niners three times. I'll tell you that right now. All right. So clearly, you want to be unserious on today's podcast. <laughs> um, they're not beating the Niners three times. Um, what The other thing, that brings me to what I really learned. I'm all the way out on the NFC West. That division's too good. That division's too good. There's going to be too many tough games, too many tough battles. I think you're going to have to play two of your divisional opponents to get to the to the Super Bowl. I don't see how that happens. I know Oof. I just said what I said about, like, how the Rams are a bad matchup for the Bucs, but I think it's just such an easier road for the Bucs to get to the Super Bowl right now than anybody in the NFC West. It's tough. I don't know the numbers on this. I, I don't think many teams beat the same team three times, let alone having to do it twice. No, it's tough, especially if, if you beat a team twice in a regular season, beating them a third time in the playoffs. I think the record on that is, is not favorable to the team that went 2-0 in the regular season. Um, I mean, we know that, I mean, as far as who stinks, I'm, the Dolphins, I'm out on the Dolphins. Um, I'm a believer in the Panthers, but I'm a believer in that Panthers defense, right? I've been kind of waiting for their youth to show, and they've just been kind of showing that they're consistent, man. They get after the pass. They get after the quarterback. They're good against the run. They're solid, man. So I'm I'm starting about the Panthers. And can we just take a second to just shit on the Bears? Like, can we do that collectively? Yes, can, can, we, can we please? Because I was waiting because... We was on chaos in conversation prior to recording Break the Bank last week. You took the Bears on there too, and I said I that. Up. And I said it I that O line that O line fucking sucks. 
They got a rookie quarterback playing. He's going to make mistakes, even if he had a good offensive line. But he has one of the worst offensive lines. But that wasn't even, honestly, look, if that was probably 20% on fields. Yeah, nine sacks. Bro, that was all that was all on Matt Nagy. Right now, my assumption, and look, I'll be honest, I did pick the Bears to cover because I thought, hey, common sense. You you traded up to draft your franchise quarterback. You knew eventually you the day was gonna come when you were gonna have to start him. I thought that they would have a playbook or a scheme built for their rookie quarterback. They pretty much gave him the Andy Dalton playbook. You know what I'm saying? They didn't, they didn't move the pocket. They didn't get him on bootlegs. You know what I'm saying? And even when they did get him on bootlegs, the um all, all the other team was doing was blitzing their safety to the side where he was supposed to be bootlegging to and just shut that shit down. So you let me ask you a Jake question. Steven, they weren't chipping. The Titans weren't chipping on the edge. Those Look, Jermaine Effetti and Jason Peters is probably the worst tackle combination in the entire NFL. And they, they weren't helping them out. And they let Miles Garrett run free, which is, I mean, that's nuts. Yo, but, I mean, that being said, like, this is very, this game to me feels very similar to, like, the Packers-Niners game where, like, all the attention is on one team. The Browns fucking stink, man. That team sucks. Like, Agreed. It, halftime. Well, their was offense ten- anyway. No, the defense ain't very good either. It really isn't. It was 10 to three at halftime. Midway through the third quarter, it was 13 six. We're talking as if the Bears did nothing, which they did do nothing. If that's the case, this should be a fucking blowout. A, a late score, two late scores, excuse me. No, three late scores in the fourth quarter by the Browns to go up 26 to 13, 26 to six and kind of make it look like they, they blew this team out isn't going to do it for me. They should have threw 40 up there. The Bears should have got shut out. What the Broncos did to the Jets is what the Browns should have done to the Bears with the way the Bears played on Sunday. The Browns fucking stink. The Bears might the, not be. What you let's say? play right into their hands. Like, look, the, the, Bears, the Bears rushed for 215 yards. They had more rushing yards than passing yards. That was that, crazy. But, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, this, you knew they were running the ball. They threw it, what, three times in the first half? The whole world knew they were running the ball. The Browns did nothing. That the Bears, the, the Browns knew that they there wouldn't be enough time for Fields to throw a pass longer than 10 yards. So all they did was sit on all the routes 10 yards or less. So there was literally nowhere for, for Fields to throw to. He had to throw into double and triple coverage. So I wouldn't say that it was Fields making rookie mistakes, is that he had he had literally nowhere to throw the ball. You know what I'm saying? So, but I agree with you. I think the Browns, that Browns defense is overrated, you know what I'm saying? And I just think they took what the Bears gave them. And the Bears scheme allowed that Browns defense to look better than it is. But I don't trust that Browns defense at all. And I definitely don't trust Baker Mayfield. Hey, look, the Browns were making the Bears defense look elite for about the first quarter and a half. And then the Bears defense just was on the field for the full first, like, two quarters. So they slowed down a little bit. But yeah, oh, I mean, real the, quick. the Browns stink. Um, since we're on fraudulent defenses – I finally had to accept that Washington's defense is not what I thought it would be. Yeah, me too. I wanted, I wanted to talk <laughs> well, about that. Me too. Me uh, too. I really had them pegged as a top five unit in the league. And, bro, they're just not good. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I, it, I realized Sunday I cannot name somebody in the secondary. No. Yeah, so <laughs> I, was feeling, I was feeling good about the Giants offense putting up almost 30 points against the Washington football team. And then I saw the the Bills put up forty three, and well, it's like the, you guys. Even I mean, obviously, the, yeah, you guys even being in the same street as the Bills is pretty good. Yeah, so Y'all that's stink. why I was bugging. So that's why I was bugging. It was like, I right, maybe this offense does have some potential when we're healthy, and then the Bills no. just destroyed. Right, chill out. No, the, this the Bills just destroyed that defense, and they've. They've been looking more like they're looking more middle of the pack than anything. Nah, they, that defense stinks. I don't even think they're middle of the pack. Yeah, it's like honestly, their yeah. front line, their front line is amazing. But it's like if they can't pressure the quarterback and and just throw the quarterback off his game and stop the run, then they're in for a long night. The problem is like that that defense got comparisons to like the the Niners defense from 2019 where it it was front seven led. Um, 
there's a couple issues with that. Like we still had Richard Sherman. Like it's not, you know, Sherman might not have been an all pro, but he's better than anybody that like Washington has. No, but they got Kyle Fuller, right? He's not, he's not bad, but he's not Kendall. And I'm not sure. (laughs) And I'm not sure if, Washington's front seven is elite. I, I personally, I feel like they, it's they just their the front, front four. Yeah, that's what Look, I was about to remember. say. I, I feel like it's just their front four that's elite. Yeah, it's just they got Jonathan four. Allen. They got Montez Sweat. They got Chase Young. That right there should give you a dominant defensive. They got someone else too. His last name's like Payne. I don't know how to say it. Yeah. Duron Payne. Duron Payne. It's not the 2007 Giants defense, but but it's pretty good. Yeah, but speaking of the Giants, y'all stink, man. No, look and look. <laughs> y'all stink. Lost to the Falcons, man. <laughs> Bro, listen. Preseason. Remember, everybody picked it over, and I was the one guy on there that said, "Look." We're going to stink. We're going to go 2-15 and 15 the hard way because we're fucking awful. And I was right. Man, look. Yo, the- but all the injuries that happened in that one oh, quarter. It's like it. five people got hurt no, in one bro, quarter. It's not they should have at least beat the now. They should have beat the fucking Falcons, bro. No, they shouldn't bro, have. No. We, <laughs> based on what? We have no offensive line, bro. Literally, we can't block. We can't run block. We can't protect the quarterback. And here's the fucked up part. Daniel Jones hasn't even been that bad, which I hate him. He hasn't even played that poorly, but we just stink. We can't cover him. Our receivers get no separation, and our defense is built to bend but not break. But Jesus Christ, if you're going three and out every fucking possession, there's only but so much time they can spend on the field before they completely implode. So we stink. So with that being said, I feel a lot more confident heading into week four with my picks because I think I'm much more confident about how I perceive different teams to be. So I, I would agree uh, for, you know, not the flex, but I went 13 and three on college football picks week four. So maybe week four might be the week where you just start to see the board a little bit better. I do hate the board this week, though. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I wasn't really feeling it when I was looking at it earlier. But real quick before we move on, I just want to say Daniel Jones oh, here doesn't right really. I just want to say the man only has for someone that has struggled with protecting the ball his first two years. He only has one turnover through the first three games. Good for him. Yes, very good for him. I mean, look. Uh, I so, mean, which one of y'all two want to start with y'all, with y'all week three picks first? Or well, should I go? Look, I could go man, first if y'all want, if it makes you feel better. I should go first. Um, I'm the most consistent on this show. Bro, we have the same exact it's like record. I said, it's like I said the last week, I'm the prettiest. I'm the You're smartest. about to get muted. <laughs> yeah, hella ugly. Wait, hold on. Real quick. What's y'all record and what's my record? Let's, let's Yeah, go over the records. And by the way. Just so you guys know, I'm three and zero on my money line bet. So is Lurk, but I gave out a plus two fifteen. If we're going based on units being like a tiebreaker, I'm by far, <laughs> I'm by far in first place. I'm by far right. in first place. So X, you five and seven overall. You three and six against the spread. Two and one money line. Me and Dion are both four and five against the spread and three and zero for the money line. For a seven and five overall record, so all that shit again. If we're going based on units, I'm up probably a unit on Larry because I gave out a fucking plus two fifteen Titans bet. It's tough. I'm just saying, like that <laughs> bet. That's how you make money. Yeah. No, and that's what we're here to do. This is, is the you. You got a good point, brother. So go ahead, go first. Go first. You're talking all that shit. All right. Um. We talked all that shit about the Bears. I love the Bears minus three this week. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think the Lions stink, man. That team. Is wait, really wait. You know what? <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the Lions stinking because you took the Ravens minus seven, and they yeah. won. They won on. Uh, a I, t- I took a minus prayer. nine. I yeah, minus I nine. Two. I mean, you took the Ravens minus nine, and they won on a prayer. Yeah, a sixty-six yard prayer. Look again. Um when we're discussing being consistent, if what it takes is Malcolm Brown or Marquise Hollywood Brown dropping about four touchdowns for me to lose a bet, that just means I'm on the right side. Wait, real quick, real quick. My five, I gave y'all five team teaser last week. It only lost because <laughs> the Chiefs lost to the Chargers. You know what I'm saying? So look, sometimes in poker, you go all in with aces and you lose. If And the, the Chiefs were only minus one. All they had to do was win. And I would have got y'all a plus 350 teaser. The Chargers fucked me by winning. So let's be clear. If not, 
what I'm saying? I would have made a lot of money for you guys, but go if, ahead. If we're discussing our other picks, I'd just like to throw out there, I was 2-0 on my college football bets. Shout out West Virginia. And then Notre Dame Moneyline, another plus 200 bet I give out on the show. I had how, those same how we two, make money. I had those same two picks, and I had NC State covering as well. I went 3-0 in college football, so shout out to me. Yeah, I, I managed to find 16 college football bets to make on Saturday, going 13 and three. It, that's a minor miracle. There's no way I could ever do that again in life. That, that means you do. That means you're going three and 13 to Harvard. <laughs> I can't wait. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, I like the Bears minus three. I don't really care who starts at quarterback. Um, the Lions front offensive line is not very good, in my opinion. The Bears defensive line, that's like the one positive for them. Wait, 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 wait. Because, so, I don't know if I want to give it on the show, but I love the Lions. Now, sometimes when I gamble, I gamble for narrative. I think that if the Bears lose against the Lions, I don't think Matt Nagy makes it to Monday. You know what so I'm saying? You want to bet Lions in order for him not to make it to Monday. Be because it just, it would give Bears ownership the perfect out to just get rid of them. So, mm -hmm. I think if, because... I don't. I just think the chemistry and I think the culture in the building is all types of fucked up. I think the best thing for that organization is for Nagy to be out of there as soon as possible. If they lose to the Lions, I can see that happening. So come back to me. I might go against okay. you. You know. You know I'm what? Like I'm a big Justin Fields fan. I've been a fan of his since uh, he was on QB one. I'm a rock with you. I'm not taking the Lions, but I'll back off my Bears takes. So I'll remove my Bears pick. I'll give you three different ones. I got Cowboys minus four against the Panthers. No McCaffrey. I don't think they can hang with that, man. There's no way they can keep up. Um, Titans minus seven. I, I bet Jets plus 10. We talked about it on the show. I convinced myself that bet made sense. That bet didn't make fucking sense. Yeah. That team, <laughs> that team is horrible. That's one of these. This is one of those bets where like you start chasing teams just to be on the right side of history. I'm now chasing Jets bets. If the Jets cover this spread, I'll probably bet them to cover next week, so on and so forth. Uh, Jets minus seven. Titans minus seven. Or, excuse me, Titans minus seven. Cowboys minus four, Titans minus seven. And then I'm a revenge game guy. I said it on our first episode. There's no one that loves a revenge game more than me. I'm never going to miss the opportunity to bet on a guy looking for revenge. I have Tom Brady minus seven. I don't even have the Buccaneers. I have Tom Brady minus seven. Honestly, I've been trying to talk myself out of taking Tampa, but I, I don't see a way to avoid making that bet. I think he's going to go into FU mode, and if you, he's going to want to give Belichick two middle fingers. So Also, I think uh, for, for all the betters out there, like we're recording this on a Wednesday. It's going to release on a Thursday. I think that line's going to be closer to six by the time Sunday comes around. Now, here's my hesitation. Sometimes, regardless of who the teams is or what the spread is, I like to fade the public whenever 90 or 95% of the money comes in on one side of a bet. And right now, I think it's like 94% of the bets coming in are coming in on the Bucks. So if you're listening, grab the grab the Bucks now because by the time it gets to game time, that line could be a point, maybe a point and a half, depending on how much money comes in Sunday. Um, more inflated. So if you like the Bucks, grab them now before that line gets higher. But I like to fade the public, so that's why I'm, I'm not going to take the Patriots. But I think I'm just going to stay away because I like to pay, fade the public. See, actually, I think the opposite because the same thing was happening with Ravens Lions, and then it went from nine to seven on Sunday morning. Just, yeah, because that was all the smart money. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But I think the smart. I don't know if the smart money is going to find value in taking the Pats. I they probably you. stay away. And so that line maybe stays inflated. Um, but, yeah, I think the lines are being overrated going into that Ravens matchup. But, yeah, I would say. Oh, excuse me. The Ravens went from seven. To, or, no, yeah, nine to seven. I got them seven. Sunday morning, seven and a half. And I know I bet it on this show, like nine. And this is double loser. Let's see. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to ride the Rams. They fucked me. They didn't cover a half point in week two. But I'm going to ride with them. Look. I think that the Cardinals are a house of cards. I still don't trust Cliff Burry. I think that defense is terrible. We saw the way Minnesota was just moving the ball up and down the field on them. I think that Stafford and company are going to fucking torch them. So give me the Rams minus four. Um, I mean, I'm going to, this is another square bet, but honestly, I don't, 
I don't see how the Broncos keep it competitive. So give me the Ravens plus one. And then the next pick, give me the Chargers minus three really? against, against the Raiders. Yeah. The Raiders, look, I think. So you're not going with the books. I know I'm, I'm staying away. I'm, I'm staying away. It's just too many people are taking the bucks. Um, so I'm going to, and plus look, if there's one person that knows Brady's tendencies, it is Belichick. So I wouldn't be surprised if he finds a game plan to muck things up and forces them to play left-handed. Not to say that they'll win, but maybe they keep it closer than many people are anticipating. And I, honestly, I don't trust that Tampa Bay defense, right? And um, I wrote no James article. White, though. Yeah, but even still, like, and I wrote a power rankings article for Def Pen, and I and I said, look, I think the Bucks are side Richard Sherman. And two days later, they signed him, and I think they may not be done. I think they still need a, another corner or two because that secondary is ass. So for that reason, I'm staying away. Give me Justin Herbert at home. I'm still not a believer in the Raiders. So give me the Chargers minus three for my third pick. I do want to say <clears throat> you, you took two divisional games that are, like, pretty decently sized spreads there. So hey. minus three for the Chargers, plus so, one for the so Rams, my- minus four for the Rams. Yeah, that that the the Rams the Cardinals game. That's a you know that's a for a divisional game. That's a pretty decent little spread. And I think for a Monday night divisional game, I think three is a, a good amount for the Chargers Raiders. I'm not giving the pick out on the show. Obviously, I already gave my three out. 50, 52 points is nothing for Justin Herbert and Derek Carr. That shit feels like it could hit in the third quarter. We thought that when the Cowboys played the Chargers, we thought it'd be. That's 70 fair. points, and I think the Cowboys ended up winning 17-14. So I'm staying away just because, look, he still is young, but I, I I could see it. I could definitely see it, especially if the Raiders are good. And look, that over-under is going to depend on if Carr's going to continue to th- throw the ball downfield. He's usually missed a check down, but if he continues to air it out, then I agree with you. They could easily get to 52. Listen, I got I got um, with the over 52. I got the Raiders with the upset win and the over 52, but that's not my upset pick, but I just want to throw that out there because you got the Chargers minus three. Before I give my picks, yeah, I was talking about college, so I had to go back and look at my ticket from Saturday because I definitely didn't remember. I went four and two. North Carolina against Georgia Tech fucked me up. I had North Carolina. And I had Akron, Ohio State over 66 and a half, and they finished at 66 flat. Yeah, that's a wild bet to make. No, I, had, I, just uh, felt, I just felt like Ohio State was really going to put up numbers, and they did. I just yeah. think Akron was going to score like one more touchdown. Than- I had Ohio State um, minus 48 that game. It hit on like a last second touchdown. Yo, the fact that you even got it like that low is lucky. <laughs> also, I, I said I went 13 and three. I should preface to like this is how like hot I was Saturday and how well I was seeing the board two of my three losses came from the same game I had Michigan in the over I lost both those obviously See, I, I, I took your advice and I went um West Virginia plus 17 and a half and Notre Dame six and a half and I took Clemson North Carolina State with the um with the over 47 and a half I took and I took Louisville to um to beat Florida by at least um a half a point. So they just had to win. So I definitely lost on some bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I probably should have went with the under on the 66 and a half, but I felt good about it. I just felt like Ohio State was going to put up like 40, 50 points in. I just need to act in the score two touchdowns or a touchdown in the field goal. Didn't work out for me. But this week, I'm going Bucks minus seven. It, I don't care, call it what you want, easy pick, but Tom Brady's really going to violate Bill Belichick's bitch ass. I've been saying for a long time. Like, I respect Bill Belichick. I think he's a really great coach, and he's one of the best ever. But I just disagree with people calling him the GOAT of coaches when the man hasn't proven that he's capable of winning anything without Tom Brady. So, I mean, Tom Brady proved he could win without him. This man has a losing record without Tom Brady. Before and after Brady, like, he has a losing record. So I'm not trying to hear nothing about that. 
I got the Raiders charges, like I said, over 52. Um, I would par- can I parlay? Nah, I'm not, you know, I'm gonna just nah, play it safe. I'm gonna just play it. Yeah, yeah, I'll just leave it like that. Cause I, I got the Raiders winning that game, but I feel very confident. I mean, you I can make that X X did that last week. If you want to make that, if you want to take him spread or you want to take a money line, that's fine. Oh nah, I, I got somebody else in my upset pick. Um <clears throat> Chiefs. I know Chiefs done did you dirty this year, Dion, but I'm definitely going with the Chiefs what minus. Yo, and shout out to me being a dickhead because I called the stat that they were like three and three and twelve their last fifteen games against the spread and still taking them. So <laughs> shout out to me for not listening to my old advice, and it's good that it bit me in the ass. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know what? It's about to be four wins because they are definitely going to win by more than a touchdown against the Eagles. The Eagles are demoralized. The quarterback that that team is just. It's just as bad as we were talking about before the season. Everybody started, we started overreacting after the first two weeks, but this is the Cowboys division. Washington ain't got a chance like I thought they did, and I never felt like the Eagles and the Giants did. So Chiefs are going to really thrash them. And I got the Ravens for the upset. I don't know how they're one-point underdogs. Like, so that's, your, that's your money line play of the week? Yeah, I got the Ravens. I mean, they're like minor. What other they? Ah, right, so you, yeah, you want me to nah, take somebody else? It's, it's, it's a Cowboys bet. Yeah, nah, you know he, what? He did that last week with the Rams too, which wound up being a pick. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa but that was a minus three when it, I took nah, it. It was nah, a minus nah, three. No, nah, no, nah, nah, nah. It was like I because I said it on the show. It was like it was a point one. and a half. It was a point, point and a half. half. Yeah, point I, point I said half. it on the show. I'm not tripping though. Take the Ravens. Nah, 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 nah. I got you. I'll take a different team. He said, "Take the Rams." <laughs> nah, uh, take the Ravens. Nah, make nah, it. I got bro. you. I'll make a different pick. I got you right now. I was gonna originally go Raiders, but then I didn't want to keep having the same picks as y'all because yeah, no one else is taking the Raiders though. Nah, he took the Raiders. Um... He took the Chargers. Oh no, yeah, he took the Chargers. That's right. Yeah. I just wrote it. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna take the. Yeah, the Raiders are gonna win that game. All right, plus one forty-five. All right, I like that. Me. I'm not going to be all the way a coward, but I'm going to take the Colts at plus 115. I'm just not a believer in the Dolphins. So give me the Colts, money line, pick of the week. Yeah, I got, um, uh, to be honest, like, I kind of like the Ravens too. I'm not going to pick them though. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never had an intention of picking them on this game, but I, on this show, but I got the Vikings money line. We talked about how much we hate the Browns. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick to what I said. I respect it. So, Eggs got the Colts, you got the Vikings, and I got the Raiders. Can 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 I put like a uh, like something in there to where if Dalvin Cook does not play, I get a different team? No, nah, that's, not how, that, <laughs> that's no. not how this works. Fuck that, because that that spread's about to wildly change if he doesn't play. Yeah, but 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 we know Cook, and the one thing you know about Cook is even if he plays, there's no guarantee he's going to finish the game anyway. Yeah, so I would approach fair. it as though he's not going to play and just make the pick base off that. You know what I mean? That's fair. There's not really any other money line bets I like anyway, so I, I think I would still like the Vikings the most, uh, even if he doesn't play. Any other games y'all like this week? I mean, it don't got to be official picks for the board, obviously, because we already made all yeah, our picks. But I like, like I like every game on the card. Um, Packers minus six and a half. I can't believe all of us watched Big Ben play last week and didn't pet that. Um, if geez. there's a defense that's gonna let him score, yeah. yeah can I? Can I? Packers. Can I Chiefs, change my uh, pick just so I don't like take the easy way out with the Buccaneers and take the Packers instead? It's the same. I mean, thing. I mean, it's still the easy way out. Right? It's, it's, guess, the, it's right? the same. Yeah. Shit. It's, it's basically the same. You can yeah, if you want. Much. It's the same uh, thing. Though. Yeah, I, I, I rather I rather root for Tom Brady to destroy Bill Belichick's ego. I like the over in that game too. Only forty six points. Both those defenses suck. So, so can but I tell you the time you I'm said make in real life? Wait, hold on real quick, because Dion, I remember a couple weeks ago, Dion said, I love the over in that game because neither one of those teams could stop a nosebleed, and it was one of the lowest scoring games. It was, it was, it was Cowboys Chargers. And it was such a low scoring game. And that game started out like crazy. Uh, Wait, so X, are you not going to make the bets that you just said? 
I am, but I'll probably put like a unit, but I'm about to, I'm about to put a 14 teaser together that pays out plus 350. And I'm probably going to put like five units on it. You know what I'm saying? You know, I think we should turn this into a segment. I like this segment. X is teasers of the teaser ticket for the week. For sure. I bet. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to tease the Buccaneers. It's a six, four point, four team, six point tease. So I'm going to tease the Buccaneers down to minus one over the Patriots. I'm going to tease the Ravens from plus one up to plus seven. You know what I'm saying? Then I'm going to tease the Chiefs down. They fucked me last week, but I don't think the fucking Chiefs are going to go one and three. So I'm going to tease the Chiefs down to minus one. And then I'm going to tease the Titans from minus seven to minus one. So again, Bucks minus one, Ravens plus seven, Chiefs minus one, Titans minus one, four teams, six points. It pays out plus 350. And I'm probably going to put like five units on that and hopefully make it a nice weekend. I love it. Dion, you, you got guys... some college picks or yeah. you want to do a teaser too? No, nah, I'll, I'll leave the teasers for X. Um, Iowa minus three. That's a Friday night kick, eight o'clock uh, Eastern. On the, they're on the road at Maryland um, okay. to his brother. I'm not huge on Maryland, but they let West Virginia hang around and like, I don't want to shit on my school. That's my that's my team that like probably shouldn't let West Virginia hang around. Same goes for Oklahoma. Michigan money line against Wisconsin. Wisconsin, that stunt they pulled on Sunday, that was an absolute meltdown. Like there is no way they're going to recover in time to go and get some pretty good Michigan team. Um, they cost me some money on Sunday by not covering the 20, but they did show some spunk in that game. They showed they can get punched in the mouth a little bit and respond. I like that. And then Notre Dame money line um, against Cincinnati. Notre Dame looked damn good on Saturday against Wisconsin. Uh, Cincinnati didn't look that good to me on Saturday. They haven't really looked that good all all year. I'm a big power five guy. I know Notre Dame doesn't necessarily fit that mold being an independent, but Notre Dame's a power five school. Um, and then my, you know, my weekly uh, Alabama bet. I don't know who they're playing. I don't know the spread. It does not matter. When I log on on Saturday to make my bets, I will be betting Alabama regardless of the number. Bama money line always, right? <laughs> the, no, with, spread. The, with, the, spread. with the points. And it doesn't, uh. ma- doesn't matter what the points are. I'll find out Saturday. It could be 30. Um, it does not matter. The one game uh, where I would like to, you know, a caveat where I might change my mind is when they play Georgia. <laughs> Yo, Georgia looks amazing. Yeah, I had them minus 35 and a half Saturday. They had that shit covered in the first quarter. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Yeah, they they are wilding this year. But we could end it right there. This is a great one. I'm looking forward to seeing how these picks play out. I'm probably going to put a couple dollars down on the teaser. And definitely going to put some money down on the college because if I would have just bet on a couple less games, I would have hit last week. I mean, but who can't really say that, right? 